Welcome to Ultiverse Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. And now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're talking about... The President of the United States. And Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, I guess we are. Uh, this week... On a very special episode, we are covering Ultimate Fantastic Four, numbers 27 through 32, Ultimate Fantastic Four Annual, number 2, and Ultimate Spider-Man 79 through 85. And, uh, yeah, it's it's the end of an era for Ultimate Fantastic Four this week, because these are Mark Millar's last two stories. That it is. Mm-hmm. And I guess we can do a recap at the end, but let's Empire get... Empire the best stories of Ultimate Fantastic Four so far. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Ooh, that is... We'll talk about that later at the end. But uh, the first arc is Ultimate Fantastic Four 27 through 29, President Thor, written by Mark Millar with pencils by... Greg Land, inks by Matt Ryan, additional art by Mitch Brightweiser, colors by Justin Ponsor, and letters by VCs Randy Gentle. At the gateway where the Fantastic Four had the accident that gave them their powers, two Reed Richards, one from the future with his team and one without, meet because the future Reed Richards is planning to prevent the Fantastic Four from getting their powers to save Ben Grimm from becoming the Thing because of something that is going to happen in the next 24 hours to solo Reed Richards' Ben Grimm. Point of view, Reed, with 22 hours left before the time travel uh, happens, returns home to finish preparation as he and the team are going to hide their time travel shenanigans from Professor Storm. Sue Storm, meanwhile, is in Chile, and a pyramid with Kitty Pride and Jean Grey for whatever reason as they investigate a sarcophagus holding a figure known as the Super Scroll. Sue has concerns, but Reed is hopeful that they can fix things with his friend Ben and have scientific progress that they were denied when Victor Von Doom messed with the experiment, which gave them all their powers. Meanwhile, Johnny Storm is talking to Zombie Reed Richards from the Zombie Universe, who provides him with a formula for hangover-free beer. Johnny comments that he's being friendly, and Reed says that they're happy for now. You have company, but they will escape soon. Meanwhile, Ben is in trouble for stopping some undercover cops who he thought were criminals. The cops comment that while Ben has saved the world, they make most of the problems as well, and Ben walks off to Johnny's birthday party, which he was told is a gender-swapped costume party. When the Thing bursts in, dresses Carmen Miranda, and realizes he was lied to, the Thing leaves. Thor, who was there uh, to consider Johnny to join the Ultimates, is angered, and Reed and Sue miss the whole thing. Since the thing leaves, the team tries to find him, with Johnny locating Ben, who is upset because he doesn't think Reed is ever going to find a solution, and Ben just wants to die, even going so far as to ask Reed to find a way to kill him. This leads to Reed fixing the door that will let them change the past so they go back in time, Reed talks to past Reed to tell him that he, what he's going to do, and as they change the machine, a scroll in armor arrives uh, and declares that he has arrived too late. We get to the new world where Thor is president, 
Reed Richards is vice president, and the world is a utopia where everyone has superpowers. To explain this, we cut to the past where Reed and the team successfully teleported the Apple, and then to the present where super teens are now able to play baseball across the world, which seems really dumb because you can't see one another, and I feel like it's a very dumb way of illustrating that they have powers. For sure. Uh, so we base so we get a recap of how after the apple was teleported, the Fantastic Four then teleported to the Squirrel homeworld, and when they got there, the squirrels were like, "Hey, here's a cure for disease and aging, and here's how you stop poverty, and you can give everyone superpowers and achieve world peace." And Ben is the only human currently who has no powers because he doesn't want them, and also we find out that. The Chitari who attacked were actually scrolls. Chitari is an offensive term to call the scrolls, and the Chitari were a separate uh, group of scrolls. Meanwhile, Victor still wants to undo what happened, and he tried to steal the time machine, but was stopped because everybody has powers. And I mean, the whole everybody else on the earth has powers seems a bit far fetched. Mm hmm. No, I agree. Like, like, I get what they're trying to do. But there'd be religious groups that'd be against it. There'd be parents who were like, oh, I do not want my four-year-old child to have powers. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I get that it's a science fiction story and it's trying to make a point. But I, like, even if they just said 70% of the world has superpowers, I'd be fine with that. But everybody except for them is it? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I so, get the point, because we're then supposed to be like, oh, look at Ben Grimm not wanting the powers. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Ben leaves, signs some autographs for kids who know him, and then he meets his girlfriend, Jasmine the Butterfly Girl. That is when the same armored scroll from the past appears, or well, from the future appears, says that he needs to go back further, and teleports away, leaving Ben and Jasmine confused. Meanwhile, the Scroll delegates, led by Super Scroll, appear, and Ben recognizes from teleporting earlier. Reed comments on how the Super Scroll looks different than he did on the Scroll homeworld, and Super Scroll explains it is his anti-assassination suit. Reed then presents Super Scroll with a collection of all media Earth has created, and Ben has a bad feeling. That night, as Sue goes to deliver a cake that she made for the Scrolls. For whatever reason, uh, the scrolls reveal that their plan is to take over the planet, and we find out that Super Scroll Suit gives him the powers of everybody in a thousand mile radius. He then kills Sue and activates the secondary effect of the pills that gave everybody powers, which ends up killing everybody on the Earth as Ben, Reed, and Jasmine come in. Once again, nobody did research into the pills. I mean... I I get that it's supposed to be like a fast-paced story, but there are just I agree. It could have it could have been really good with a couple more issues, or at least some more conceits. Yeah, Johnny tries to go supernova. Jasmine flies Ben to safety, and Super Scroll survives. As Ben looks out, the Skrull Armada appears as billions of people are getting killed until Ben is the last living human. 
Ben realizes that this means that Super Scroll has no more powers, knocks him out, and steals the suit, leaving the Super Scroll to die since he is over a billion years old. Ben breaks into the time machine to go back to the launch, returns to when Jasmine and Ben saw him earlier. He teleports back again to the launch and sabotages the machine, and Ben from the future attacks him. Super Scroll Ben reveals who he is, but the two Ben's touching sets the Argyops to attack. Oh, so Ben oh, yeah. calls in. I, I forgot to mention what the Argyops are. They're time spiders that eat people who touch their past selves. Anyways, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So the RGFs attack Ben and calls him one more teleport and ends up in South America and the Fantastic Four miss their window to stop the accident that will give them their powers. In the present, the zombie Fantastic Four say they plan to escape in exactly one week while the blind sculpture student Alicia Masters meets Ben and talks to him as Dr. Doom watches on, ready to launch his plan. We never get a resolution for what happens to alternate future President Thor world Ben Grimm in the Super Scroll suit millions of years in the past. He probably has a kick-ass life. Probably. I, I, I do wonder if that's one of the things that is going to be like wrapped up, but I really, really doubt it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like not, too. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like one of the biggest flaws, especially for a lot of the Ultimate Universe, is they try and adapt old stories or, like, different ideas, and it feels really restrictive, especially for how long the stories take. Like, if you're telling a old-school Marvel Silver Age story where you had, like, two or three stories in an issue... You got a lot more out of it than you do when it's like, oh, here's three or four issues that tell one story. Yeah. I don't know. Some of them also did a really good job of it, such as when Brian Michael Bendis completely salvages the uh, clone saga. And we'll we'll get to that eventually. Uh, yes. Anyways, up next is Ultimate Fantastic Four numbers 30 through 32. Frightful. Written again by Mark Millar, with pencils by Greg Land, inks by Matt Ryan, Ooh. additional art by Mitch Breitweiser. Why do you not like Matt Ryan? No, it was booing Greg Land. Oh, yeah. Colors by Justin Ponsor and Jason Keith, with letters by VCs Randy Gentle. Yeah, I mean, Greg Land's art... I find it infinitely worse to read than uh, Rob Liefeld art. Why do you hate the Rob, Luke? No, no, I find it worse than Rob Liefeld art. I have far less of an issue with Rob's stylistic flaws that he has and his quirks than I have with a person who's straight up copying almost everything and using photo references in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, Johnny, Alicia, and Tara Beckwith, who as far as I know is... Probably not the actress Tara Beckwith uh, are on a double blind date and Johnny's not into Tara while Ben and Alicia are already a comfortable couple. That is when a speeding car grabs their attention. Johnny saves the driver of the car and because she's a blonde woman, uh, lots of men joke about uh, her car and her losing control over it. The car also explodes, which... 
is a weird thing. It, it's just a very weird scene overall. But anyways, Johnny saves the woman and then immediately crumples over in pain and asks someone to call his dad. Reed and Dr. Storm, meanwhile, meet up because Reed is working on his portal to the zombie universe, which still concerns Dr. Storm. Reed explains that he wants to use it to send them back and that their universe is going to stop converging soon for the next 50 billion years. Dr. Storm, a actual doctor and genius, wants to kill the zombie Fantastic Four, which fair. Oh, super fair. That is when they get the call about Johnny and rush to check on him and find out that he is infected with an alien organism that they assume came out from the end zone adventure. They called in Professor Xavier to try and communicate it with it, uh, and all they really get is that there are seven days until it's going to kill Johnny and then destroy the Earth so they can either find a way to kill it or they'll have to kill Johnny to stop it from from destroying the Earth. Bad times, yo. Hard times. Ooh, super hard times. Sue goes to talk to Crystal, the Inhumans, who came down to Earth from the moon, who is not allowed to help them, and then she returns to the moon. Johnny, meanwhile, makes apologies to all of his girlfriends. Reed and Johnny try to ask the zombies for help, and they are turned down, so Reed has their activities taken away. They head to their final option, Latveria, where Dr. Doom is in control and is working with Mrs. Storm. Um, I want to make a note here that, like, the annual that introduced Inhumans was like, yeah, we're introducing the Inhumans who are going to be a major part of the Fantastic Four. And then it's like, uh, yeah, no, this is all we get out of that, uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like, no, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Back in the building with the Fantastic Four, except for Johnny gone, the zombies pretend that they made a teleportation device with a ballpoint pen and vanish. When the soldiers go in to check on them after initiating lockdown, the team reveals that they just turned invisible and attack the soldiers escaping their cell. Professor Storm locks the building and tries to negotiate unsuccessfully with the zombies to free the remaining people. Back in Latveria, Doom knows why they are there and offers his help of one condition that he wants to talk privately about with Reed. Mrs. Storm, meanwhile, shows that she is alive, and when Sue complains, she is brushed off. Once again, we just get weird Mrs. Storm stuff, where it's like, oh yeah, no, mm -hmm. I'm working with this... I'm working with Dr. Doom. NBD. Yeah. So Doom reveals Johnny is infected with the Zillapagua, a elder god from Atlantis that was summoned from the end zone, and Doom will be able to send it back. But Doom's condition is that he wishes to be Reed Richards through a mind swap. Reed then realizes that Doom set everything up, and without any other options, the team returns unaware that Reed and Doom have swapped to deal with the zombie outbreak. Back in the lab, though, the zombies are actually working on a doorway to summon all of the other zombies into the zombie universe. Back in New York City, where the Ultimates have been assembled with an hour or so left before the zombies open the portal, and Doom, as Reed, is more concerned about Johnny's condition because he needs Johnny's power to defeat the zombies, and he is a dick about it. A sassy dick. The zombies are unconcerned, and so Doom gets to setting Johnny up in a satanic summoning circle, Johnny is happy that the virus was within him, so the entire world would be prepared if the zombies do escape. And as they hit the 30 mark before the zombies are supposed to open the portal, Nick Fury is concerned. 
Reed starts his enchantment and removes the demon, but it doesn't end up in the end zone because he made a pronunciation error and the Zavil Pagua escapes and heads out and into Dr. Doom, a.k.a. Reed Richards. With the security breach by the Zavil Pagua, Zombie Torch tries to escape but is killed by Dr. Doom Reed, followed by The Thing. Uh, when Zombie Storm tries to kill Reed and Doom's body by exploding his brain, it turns out that she can't because it is steel and magic, and he dissolves her more and more, and then summons maggots inside of Zombie Reed, killing him as well. Dr. Storm calls to find out what's going on and finds that Doom is prepared to sacrifice himself by going into the zombie world to hold them off and to also get rid of the Zilpagua. And that is when Doom Reed reveals that he is actually Reed Richards and is willing to go into the world losing everything. Guilted, Dr. Doom and Reed Richards' body confesses what happened and swaps back to willingly goes into the portal to face the zombies and presumably to die because... The comic is set before the zombies ate Galactus and gained cosmic powers. We'll find out what happens to Doctor Doom probably in January 2021, because that is when Doctor Doom returns. Which means that there's like eight years where there's no Doctor Doom to the Fantastic Four beyond Miss Storm. But he's an Mary's... ultimatum, though. No, that's Mary. Is it? Yep. Because oh. I, yeah, yeah. So Mary writes to everyone apologizing for what happened and that it was a plan to remove Doctor Doom from power so she could solve the world energy crisis. Because sure, whatever, Mark Millar, your run is over. And uh, yeah, it's just a weird story. I mean, there's. Parts I like about it, like it's a good twist on the Reed and Doom mind swap story. But it, it it's like just face work. off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that is Ultimate Fantastic Four Annual Number Two, written by Mike Carey, who greatly improves over his last Ultimate Fantastic Four story, with pencils by Stuart Eminick. Inks by Wade Von Grawbadger, colors by Paul Mounts, additional art by Fraser Irving, and letters by VCs Randy Gentle. And it is such a flex to have Stuart Eminem and Fraser Irving coming on for an annual when all Mark Millar had is Jai Lee. Like putting Jai Lee yeah. and Greg Land up against Eminem and Irving is unfair. Yep. Uh, in Oregon, General Ross and the army is busy is busy visiting the backup brain trust where everyone removed from the Baxter building went to, and this is prep for a reunion with the Fantastic Four. Lassiter, the teacher in charge, is showing off his students' inventions like Phineas Mason's nano architecture, Sunita Begum's teleportation explosion, Gus Axelrod's crystallization machine, and Josie Hart, who is doing nothing. The building suddenly begins to sink down into the ground just as the Fantastic Four show up. Molkovic shows up with his fungoids and quickly jails the adults while forcing the children to learn more about his life. He was born in Yugoslavia, one of six children who learned to build technology from simple items. He turned his sister into a longfish and eventually escaped by turning his father over to the secret police and used that money to get to Moscow where he made new inventions like a rifle made of caramel, 
an artificial life which went poorly. He moved through Europe under assumed identities, but his story is interrupted. And I do love that it switches into Fraser Irving art for that because it just gets mm-hmm. so weird and wild. I love some Fraser Irving art. It was good. So the Fantastic Four, meanwhile, are descending down into the giant hole and Johnny ends up causing a cave-in. Moman resumes the story when they reach the Hollow Earth Lemurian base. He relates how multiple teams were killed off by lava monsters, madness, and the last member of the la- and the last expedition had a survivor who Momad followed finding that he had actually reached a underground zoo and he learned how to uh, control the monsters inside of it. He now plans to have these students live with him, which Josie is especially not happy about. Moman decides to leave them behind for the time being and start working on his next plan. The Fantastic Four meanwhile find giant monsters including a massive flying dinosaur that's actually a uh, team of tinier flying dinosaurs, a two-headed, like, Tyrannosaurus Rexy one, and a slug monster. The team defeats the monsters only for Mole Man to find them, and the team demands the students be returned. In response, Mole Man activates the genetic enhancements on the fungoids, granting them all superpowers. Luckily, Josie, the students, and the staff showed back up with Josie wielding a anti-fungal gun that destroys the fungoids. Reed wants to bring them back, but Josie refuses as the leader of a group saying they don't want to make weapons, which... Fair. And they plan to Uh restart the artificial sun underground and live, making new technology. Josie sends them away, starts up the sun, and they begin their new life under the ground. They seem like fun kids. Under the ground. Under the ground. There'll be no accusations. Just friendly fungoids under the ground. That was that for a Simpsons reference. That was good. And then we have Ultimate Spider-Man 79 through 85 Warriors. Written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Chris Heliopolis. Oh, I really like that annual. Oh yeah, no, the annual's good. Yeah, like, that makes me excited for the rest of my carries run. Because he's going to be the person who takes over Ultimate Fantastic Four. Oh, nice. And I remember, like, barely anything about it, but there was conversations on Twitter about it, and I got very excited. Because yeah. they talked about how he does a bunch of weird Kirby stuff. Yeah. Go go talk about Ultimate Spider-Man. Let's get to the deck puke. Hell yeah. As news of federal action against the Kingpin comes in, Alan Silverman, a.k.a. Silvio Manfredi, reaches out to Tombstone to team up in the wake of the crackdown on Kingpin, and in response, Tombstone kills Silverman to secure power for himself. In class, Peter's dressing up about uh, breaking up with Mary Jane, which we saw previously from her perspective, and he heads out as Spider-Man. That night, Mr. Dini, Kingpin's right-hand man, informs him of Silverman's death, and Kingpin orders Dini to call in Electra to make them fear him once again. That night, Hammerhead and the Enforcers, Montana, Ox, and Fancy Dan, show up at a warehouse with TiVos that Fistman planned to sell, which they really emphasize the TiVos in all those boxes. (laughs) 
Yeah, TiVo, like, that is a brand that they aren't using, like, Tovo or a knockoff. It's straight-up TiVo. And that also yeah. really dates this comic. Like, do you remember when TiVo was such a big thing? I do. Before the days of streaming. Yep. Or even just, like, referring to them now as DVR. Mm-hmm. Hammerhead gets shot in the head by one of them and has them killed in response and gives the rest the option to either join or die. Most of the men leave and then Hammerhead burns down the dock. Spider-Man swings in to see what is going on and gets distracted by a mysterious figure he tries to track before a second figure, Moon Knight, a figure in all white, appears. We cut we back to cut... Daniel Rand. Oh, fine, no. No, you go ahead there. We then cut back to Daniel Rand, Iron Fist, being released from Rikers after his meeting with Spider-Man, where he ended up in prison for six months because Spider-Man punched him when he tried to stop people who were fighting over shoe theft. That's right. Yeah, I just wanted to get that cut back. You can go back to reading, Devin. Nah, it's all good. Moon Knight uh, so... tries to kill... Oh, no, fuck. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I don't want to now. Hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. Moon Knight tries to kill Spider-Man to take him out while Electro watches on and reports into Kingpin. When the police arrive, Spider-Man swings off, leaving Moon Knight behind. The next day, as the bugle prints about Moon Man, Ben Yurik reports that Kingpin owned the warehouse, giving them evidence that they need that the Kingpin might still be up to no good. When Peter tries to correct them about Moon Knight's name, he is ignored, and back at the desk, Aunt May calls to find where he is, and she tells him to stop running away from his life. Peter then overhears Ben trying to get a statement from Kingpin, so Peter decides to go and talk to him as Spider-Man. And it is interesting that they're doing a peter parker no more take instead of the spider-man no more Mm-hmm. i agree like it's it's these sorts of twists that i think feel a lot more organic though part of that might be having one writer on for the entire 79 issues so far agreed so electric greets him on the roof and welcomes him in to have pizza with Kingpin and not to stare at her cleavage. Uh, Kingpin asks Spider-Man why Spider-Man is criminalized and gives a speech about how people don't want to feel weak and ultimately gives Spider-Man Hammerhead's name, explaining that he is a dangerous man who Spider-Man should stop if he should be a hero, if he wants to be a hero, and Spider-Man refuses, not wanting to help Kingpin. The next day... Peter skips school again, and as Spider-Man goes to visit Jean de Wolf for advice on the Hammerhead situation, and after making sure that he didn't do anything illegal, Jean suggests that he stops Spider-Man in a way that only he can. They the, they get interrupted though with a call from Chinatown. Over in Chinatown, Shang-Chi and Danny Rand meet up and recognizing one another and talk about the gang problems as Hammerhead brings in the teen gang. They get into a massive fight with the two holding their own against the gang, but Hammerhead pulls out a gun and prepares to shoot before being interrupted by Spider-Man, who hurts his hand punching him out. Hammerhead prepares to shoot Spider-Man, but is interrupted by the reappearance of Black Cat. Spider-Man uses a distraction to escape and block Hammerhead's gun, so Hammerhead throws a grenade and Spider-Man swings off a black cat who he thought was dead. 
The police start shooting at Spider-Man because of a witness before Captain DeWolf shows up and tells them off since he did nothing and gets the police to do their job, unaware that Stephen Grant is filming the entire scene from his taxi. Meanwhile, Black Cat starts making out with Spider-Man, who stops her wanting answers. She explains she survived and hid for a while, and now she's back and wants Spider-Man and revenge against the Kingpin, and she turned evidence on Deanie. Ultimately, she just wants to stop Kingpin, and then she wants Spider-Man, but then Spider-Man rushes off. Stephen Grant, a.k.a. Mark Spector, returns home that night, and his girlfriend is unhappy with him and his vigilante activities. And also his still-not-well-aged multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Spider-Man returns home, uh, takes off the costume feeling excited and tired from the day, and then hears a call from the principal about Peter leaving school, and he quickly deletes it. That night, the story of the fight comes on the news, and discussion of Kingpin losing power causes Kingpin to have Electra kill Walter Dini, and then he plans to have her knock out everyone else. That night, Electra breaks into the Tokyo Club to start cleaning things up. Meanwhile, Moon Knight's three personalities, Mark Spector, Alan Grant, and a mysterious red-headed girl, talk about what to do, ultimately deciding to knock out Hammerhead and then Kingpin, and also agreeing that they all hate Spider-Man. He ends up Stephen meeting with Grant, his... Luke. What? Oh, God. Stephen Grant. Dun, 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 Dr. Dun, Alan Grant. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> he ends up meeting with his alternate personas, and then back at the business meeting he was in, he kicks everybody out and suits up, which... Weird. It's like... Oh, does our boss want to get into his weird sex costume again? I guess so. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ox of the Enforcers got arrested in the brawl in Chinatown, and D-Wolf threatens him with being sent to Rikers, where he will not be treated well for betraying the Kingpin. At school, while Peter's fantasizing about Black Cat, MJ comes to talk to him about why they broke up, and he still says that she's in danger, so he's keeping her at a distance. And she comes back that they both love one another and he can't shut her out and give up on being Peter Parker to be Spider-Man, but he leaves. Meanwhile, Danny and Shang-Chi have been looking for where Hammerhead is and they get his address. The same address that Spider-Man got from Kingpin, which is when Black Cat shows up surprising him. Black Cat tells him to go on and leave Hammerhead alone till he knocks out Kingpin. But that's when they hear gunshots and they rush in to find themselves in a situation. Black Cat, Spider-Man, Iron Fist, Shang-Chi, Electra, Moon Knight, Montana, Fancy Dan, and Hammerhead are all there. Hammerhead offers Electra double what she's offered if she turns to his side, and she agrees. Black Cat wants in and offers to keep Spider-Man out, and after getting verification from Electra, he agrees. The fighting breaks out, and Spider-Man webs up everyone eventually and calls Jean DeWolf, though it takes a bit longer to get her on the phone. Shang-Chi pleads to get freedom, which better freezes while Moon Knight is just getting angry. Jean finally ends up on the phone, and Spider-Man explains the situation, but Elektra, Black Cat, and Moon Knight break free. Elektra and Moon Knight uh, attack Spider-Man, who ends up in front of Hammerhead's gun, but Black Cat possibly causes it to break. Spider-Man then hurts his hand, punching Hammerhead again. Elektra stabs Moon Knight, and the police surround the building. In the chaos... Hammerhead demasks Moon Knight and takes a photo on his flip phone while Elektra and Spider-Man's battle intensifies with him being punched out onto the street. Spider-Man struggles to get back up 
Well, Hammerhead plans to run off, leaving Electra behind, so Electra stabs him and tosses him out the window while Gene in the streets frees Spider-Man from the police who wanted to take him in. Spider-Man barely saves Hammerhead in time with webs to slow and cushion his fall, while back in the building, Black Cat fights Electra but is outclassed in fighting moves. For El before Electra can kill her though, she has a crescent thrown by Moon Knight uh, hit the back of her head, and that presumably kills her, and then Moon Knight collapses presumably dead as well, and Black Cat tosses Electra's corpse out the window before freeing Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. Iron Fist wants to kill her, but Shang-Chi stops him and they escape with Moon Knight and the thugs left in the aftermath of the webs. Black Cat finds Spider-Man nearby, and Peter's angry and tries to apologize, and then moves into some flirtation mode. She starts grinding on him as they roll up their masks to make out with him. She sees that he is just a small little teen and then vomits on his dick. And then she runs off. We then see Kingpin talking to an associate who reveals Electra was ready to betray him. She has no idea where Moon Knight is and Spider-Man trusts the Kingpin's secret asset, Jean DeWolf. And Peter, beaten and barfed on, gets home with Aunt May promising that if he ever skips school again, she is going to kick him out. It is a massive story. It, I think it introduces too many things. Like, if you didn't read that issue with Iron Fist, he just sort of appears out of nowhere. Oh, it's 100% so. And if you didn't read Marvel Team-Up, it's like, wait, who is Shang-Chi? When did Shang-Chi get in here? It's a... I think it is too big of a story. It needed a little bit more. Even just like a little, or like a little recap. Or it needed to like I shave think if they did like a little flashback recap, it could have done better. Yep. But now... But it doesn't got... matter because we have the most glorious of panels. Mm-hmm. Are you just going to send me that image like 30 times for this week's image gallery? Probably. That would be a bad image gallery, Devin. That'd be a good image gallery. I will, if you get a good photo of it, make it the framed photo. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, then we have our Ultiverse Q rankings. So, Devin, are you ready to rank these stories? Let's rank them, Luke. Up first, we have President Thor, which... Uh, had a lot of logic gaps in it. Truth. But it was fun. How do you feel about it compared to Crossover, the ultimate Fantastic Four initial zombie story? Better. I, I can put it above that, but I don't want to put it above New Mutants. Because I think there was a lot of logical gaps that we brought up in it. So our new number 33 is President Thor. Uh, after that we have Frightful, which is another mess of a story. I do think it's better than Crossover, though. Like, it actually has some things. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how would you feel about it compared to Doom, the ultimate Doom story? Better. 
Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I think we can go above that. I also want to put it above even we don't believe this. But I don't know if I can Fair. put it above irresponsible. Uh, so, so our new number 25 is Ultimate Fantastic Four 30 through 32 Frightful. We then have the Ultimate Fantastic Four annual uh, number two. Um, I'd put this above End Zone. Yes, I would agree. Uh, would you put it above Cats and Kings? Mm, yeah. Uh, up next we have uh, Popular. The two-issue story of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm, no. Yeah. So our new number nine uh, kicking out uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Power and Responsibilities, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Annual Number 2. And then we have Warriors, which, long and kind of messy, still pretty good. Um, I think, how do you feel about it compared to Cats and Kings, the other Kingpin, Black Cat, Electra story? Uh, that one was better, hmm? Uh, do we want to put it above power and responsibility? I think power and responsibility was similarly a bit longer than it needed to be. Yes. Um, so I'd actually put it right underneath it. Uh, right above end zone? I, I can work with that. So our new number 12 is Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, uh, 79 through 85, Warriors. And so for those of you listening, at the top of our list currently, and number one is Ultimate Spider-Man Hollywood. And at the bottom is Ultimate Iron Man, the first part. And Devin, guess what we got this week? Questions. Yes. Uh, Abby, who is abnonymous, wants to know, was Luke wrong in pointing out that Lee Pace is Ronan the Accuser? Why is she mad about that? Uh, we started watching or re-watching Pushing Daisies and I brought it up. And she did not believe me. And then I had to pull up the picture and she so didn't believe me. And then I was like, no, this is actual truth. And he was also in Captain Marvel. And she was like, no, I don't believe that. And I was like, no, that that it's true. It was 100% him. Is it because she didn't like that he is now like more aggressive and mean in that one? I think it's also he was just a nothing in the story. Like, Ronan is a boring villain. Fair, he was. I was very disappointed with how they handled Ronan. Yeah, but it's fine because, I mean, no, you weren't wrong for telling her that. But B, he could theoretically get a part in a future Marvel movie. Because they just confirmed that Gemma Chan is going to be in The Eternals as a different character, even though she was Minerva and Captain Marvel. Because if you smother them in blue, then you could just put them in their normal appearance, and then it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Xavier Files uh, wants to know, when was the last time you puked? Mm, it's been a while. Probably like two yeah. years ago after one of the bars. Uh, yeah, I'm not remembering 
that I remember the last time I got puked on, but that's different. As I say, I've never been puked on, so... Uh, yeah, I went to a Harry Potter birthday party viewing with a friend who got a bit too slizzard on the wizard. Nice. Yep. And they don't listen to this podcast. Nice. Also, people I know who know them don't listen to this podcast. Oh, you know what we have this week, Devin? What, Luke? We got a new Patreon backer. <gasps> nice. Yep, uh, thank you, Kerouac Smith, for backing us on Patreon. I'm glad my ability to regularly answer your questions is beneficial to you. Feel free to also send in questions, even if you don't support the Patreon because I enjoy listening to questions and helping people out. Now, Devin, do you know what we are covering next time on Ultiversal Q? Nope. I don't remember it either, so I'm opening up the planning chart. Uh, we next are time. covering Ultimate X-Men numbers 54 through 60, Ultimate Nightmare, and Ultimate Secret. Secret, secret? I got a secret? Oh, and uh, Ultimate X-Men... Oh, oh. Oh, that's when we start getting all the weird uh, miniseries. Well, yeah, that's like the lead-up, but the Ultimate X-Men is... uh, We're getting Longshot and Mojo. (sighs) And Nido. Uh, not, Not really. I mean, I don't remember it being super great. Me neither. Yeah, uh, we're going to get some ultimate long shots, some ultimate mojo, and... I don't know who else. Uh, looks like someone's going to shoot Xavier, and did we get a Lady Deathstrike, maybe? And then build up to Ultimate Galactus. So, uh, get hyped, and get your questions ready. Devin, if people want to send your messages online, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me online at Fred Fett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T, and Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online on Twitter at at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Uh, you can also find both of us on the Exiled Podcast, a weekly actual play adventure where we Take the roles of Marvel and DC alternate universe comics characters and go on adventures. Currently, uh, this week, you can hear Devin's amazing Howard the Duck impression. Yes. Devin, give us give us some of that Howard magic. Damn, I don't even really remember how I did it. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, catch us on the flip mode. Uh, Well, we haven't said where people can, like, see the image galleries that you put together, or... Please remind them that we would like them to rank and review us on the podcatchers of their choice. 
No, I can't do ours well. You can rate and review us on the different things of our cho- your choice, such as iTunes or Stitcher mm-hmm. or Podomatic. Those were all things that we used at one point in time that we might still use, but I don't really know. Yeah, there's a lot of them, and now Spotify is apparently just going to be like, oh, yeah, you can just publish podcasts through us. Dope, but apparently Spotify, too. Uh, oh, yeah, well, no, we've been up on Spotify for a while, but uh, we we could use some more reviews. So if you write us a review and then let us know, uh, we'll we'll give you a prize. In between That's your time of listening to Taylor Swift's new album, please just give us that little review, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back in two more weeks with some good times, some bad times, some sad times, too. We're going to celebrate and party with you. Come on in celebration. Let's all celebrate and have a good time. Uh, that wraps us up for this week. Devin, could you do me a favor? Sure. Catch me on the flip mode. Peace.